Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 274 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there in this uh, late Sunday night edition? I know, folks, normally it's uh, Sunday bright and early. The, it, it's sitting there waiting for you to go, waiting for waiting for you. But, uh, yeah, got a little sidetrack, a little busy. Uh, kind of, actually, it was funny. I sort of lost my voice today. I was going to actually do this, uh, really early in the morning, uh, you know, like 930, but <clears throat> my, my voice was not really there. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I actually wasn't going to do an episode at all. And, uh, but tonight just got down here and, uh, I was bouncing around the internet for a little bit and, uh, thinking, actually, my throat's not feeling too bad. So I'll give this a shot because I had some stuff written down. So, uh. Yeah, I'll share that with you. I don't know. I, I know I always say I'm not going to talk long for today. And, and I know everybody out there, the long-time listener, laughing, they're rolling their eyes because this is going to be like an hour and a half after I say that. But, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I don't think this will take very long. Um, a few things to throw at you. I think a few things, I guess more, um, you know, it, it's sort of topical for the moment, of course, with the World Juniors that just happened and uh, Canada winning gold. Um Beating the checks, um, but other than that, I kind of want to talk, you know, just briefly about uh, you know some toughness that's gone through the World Juniors and uh, and uh, player spotlight. Jesse Bolleris, um, one of those guys that I mean, I always knew about Jesse. I, I'd see some of his fights, but I, I, I've never gone down that rabbit hole. And uh, uh, boy, let me tell you, we'll well we'll get into it, but it was good. I'm telling you. Solid bout. So, uh, yeah, we'll get into that. And, uh, I kind of think on Sundays here, I was sitting around and I'm always sort of looking for, um, you know, always different topics or, you know, cause, 
you know, when, when, how many more, I mean, I know Tim will disagree with the list. Well, you can always do lists, but, and it, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm always kind of looking for something different. Uh, you know, whether it be lists or player spotlights, I would really like to get, you know, one thing that I did a couple times that I really enjoyed that I really want to get back into is the seasons series. And, uh, you know, I did the one with Jay for the UHL. I did one with uh, Anthony out in Las Vegas uh, about the East Coast League. I did one with Searson with the UK. Uh, and basically, it's just break down a year, just break down a season in that league. And uh, usually someone that was a season ticket holder. And, uh, I mean, obviously, it'll be a little more, like with Anthony. It was a little more, obviously, he was going to the Vegas games. So it was mostly talking about the Wranglers. But we talked about the other teams, the other team's tough guys. Maybe some incidents that happened throughout the league. Um, you know, and stuff like that. And I really enjoyed it. And uh, I really want to get back to it because I know actually the feedback was really strong on that. Um, and I know there's a few guys that I've talked to about doing it. Um, like I said, it's always one of these things. Uh, uh, it's, it's such a whirlwind. Like I said, I've talked to some, for, some players to do some interviews. I kind of, you know, haven't really set up any dates, but then I talked to like fellow fans and I know Steve, I know you're out there, Al, I know. And, and guys like that, I, I definitely want to sit down and have you guys on the show, uh, you know, and it, but it's just always, you know, obviously life kind of get well, and then of course with Christmas and everything going on, everything was sort of up in the air, but I mean, now that we've entered kind of the new year, um, you know, kind of the schedule is going to back on, back on track here, at least for a little while. I mean, in the middle of February, I am going on, I'm going on holidays for two weeks, going to Las Vegas, so... Um, you know, that'll obviously, you know, throw a little kink in the schedule, but, uh, overall it is kind of, uh, you know, back to normal here, uh, at least in terms around here, you know, life's going back to work with school starting again and, and everything. So sort of back into that regular routine. So, um, I think I can kind of get a little more, I can write the ship a little bit here and, uh, and, and get down and sit down with a few people and do some interviews and, uh, you know, uh, going forward, um, you know, uh, well, and it's, it's always, it's kind of, you know, as we're in 2023 here in the new year, um, uh, it's not that I, like, I think the show was lacking at all. I mean, um, but, uh, I, w- I would like to get on top of things a little more. Um, I guess if that's my new year's resolution, I hate new year's, re- that sounds so hokey, but I guess if that's going forward, I guess if that's my, that's my, sort of my, my, my want anyway, we'll see if I can do it, but I kind of want to get out ahead of things instead of like, like doing this recording like the day of or, you know, the, the night before. Because I, I think things seemed rushed and I can, not that I think the sh- nah. I think the show, the episodes could be better than they are sometimes. Um, and, you know, and maybe not. Maybe that's my own insecurities. But it's like, I don't know. I just feel like it's rushed sometimes. And I really like, and it doesn't happen often, but I do like it when I get a couple interviews done and, and kind of get ahead of the game. And then it's like, okay, I don't have to worry about it. Like, I don't have to come down here at 9.30 at night and record something until, you know, because by the time you do that, the show graphic, upload it, it's getting close to midnight at that point. And, you know, you got to get work in five hours. It's like, you know, I think things suffer. But if you if I can get ahead of things, get a few things done, and then in the can, so to speak, I think overall the product is better. So that's going forward. Um, that's my, my, my goal anyway is to do that. Whether, you know, <coughs> whether I'm successful at that is a whole other story, but we'll see. Um, but anyway, um, 
let's let's get into this, shall we? But um, as always, I'll throw it out. As I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. Over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams have a podcast. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Uh, Terry Ryan's also on the network. Of course, uh, Shorzy, Ted Hitchcock. Um, definitely check out Terry's show. He's always doing something. Um, of course, for my off-network friends, got Alec over there at the Five for Fighting podcast. Old Sicky McGee, he's battling back here. <coughs> yeah, I think he gave it to me here. Yeah. Um, of course, he the obviously Five for Fighting podcast. He uh, he do, he does a bang up job, and I always say it pains me to say that, but great back catalog uh, by Lois. Uh, you know, Rob Ray, Segroy, Rushton, Sean Pete, all on there. No, good job. And uh, like I said, I I, I talk, I've talked to him. Actually, you know, it's funny him and Jay and stuff here early on in the new year. I haven't actually talked to those guys very much. Usually, we're kind of talking all the time, but. Um, yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of weird. I haven't really talked, you know, to be completely honest, it's kind of odd. I really haven't talked to anybody all that much, um, since the new year. Um, yeah, weird. Like not just on the phone, but like texting and stuff. Yeah. It's kind of odd. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yes. Back at it. But if you're on the YouTubes, uh, the five for fighting YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button. If you could. Um, as I always say a million times over and I'll say it, I'll keep saying it, um, as a creator, that is the best thing that you can do to help us out. It's the little things. All you have to do is hit the subscribe button on YouTube. That's it. Uh, and like I said, and whatever, whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, whatever you listen to, if you could rate and review the show or Alex show, Joe's show, anybody's show, um, as speaking just for the collective group here as a creators, that is the biggest thing you can do for, that's the little, the biggest thing you can do with as little effort as possible is all you got to do is hit the little star rating. That's it. And if you'd like, just say a little blur. You, like I said, you don't have to write out the, the next classic novel in the review section. All you have to do is I like this show or number one or, or you suck ass or whatever you want to write, but that's all you got to do. But just if you could rate and review the show, and download, don't stream. That's what I always say. That also helps out uh, the shows because that way we can tell who's listening by the numbers, the, the analytic numbers. You can see where, when, who, and how many, and all that stuff. It's a little, and like I said, that's all you got to do. Download, play, and review a show. Or if you're on YouTube, hit this little subscribe thing. That's it. It's not that hard. You know, you're sitting there anyway with the phone in your hand or the computer in front of the computer or whatever you, wherever you listen to this. Um, that's it. So... Uh, whatever your favorite show is, if, if you know, if, if that's how you can help the creator out, the creator spends hours giving you free content. All we ask in return is to hit a subscribe button or the download button and to review something. That's it. You only have to do it one time. Yes. That's my plea to you, the listeners. It would be greatly appreciated. Believe me. Um, and I noticed my reviews have gone, I've gotten a few more lately. So I appreciate those that have gone out and done that. But uh, I know there's many more that could, and I would appreciate it if you did that. Uh, I know Alec and Joe and everybody else, everyone that has a show would appreciate you doing that. Believe me. But uh, yes, get back, check out Alex's channel, his podcast, Bang Up Job. Speaking of Joe, of course, Jolt and Joe Lazito there, formerly of the Coliseum Chronicles. He has uh, put down his he put down his put his way his Islander jersey, and he put on his Nordiques jersey, and he is now doing the Nordiques Knuckles podcast. Uh, as just as it sounds, he's interviewing former Quebec Nordique players, not Avalanche players, 
with Quebec Nordique players. His latest is with Ken McRae. Uh, he is on part two. So I suggest check that out. Again, Joe does a bang-up job. I mean, if you want to know about Ken McRae, you'll... I tell you, you'll know every inf- you'll know every piece of information about him by the time it's done. I mean, there's Thorough and then there's Lozito. I'm telling you, he'll get down to the, the to the the very soul of his of the person he's interviewing. So no, Joe, Joe does a great job, and uh, definitely check out his show. And uh, a, a newcomer to the scene, uh, I've been talking about him lately. Uh, I had him on a few weeks back, Jordan, out there in Cape Breton. Um, we talked about the old. Uh, Quebec Junior League in the late 90s, early 2000s. And after that, I don't know that, I, I don't know if the, the, it must have been the podcasting bug bit him. And Jordan has created his own, uh, his own show and YouTube channel. It is called Five and a Game. And, uh, he is doing just that, uh, uh, reviewing and, and, and going in depth on old, uh, junior hockey players from the Quebec League. And, um, yeah, and I think, uh, his last episode, he talked about the five toughest Halifax Mooseheads. Um, if you go to his YouTube channel, he does, he's done some biography videos on Marc-Andre Waugh, uh, George Davis, etc. Does a good job. I'm really enjoying listening to, or watching those, actually. But he's also has a podcast, or in audio form. And I believe I just, I read just before I was going on here, that I think tomorrow he's actually interviewing Eric Lizon, I believe. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. That Lizon's a bad dude, man. And, uh, yeah, I really look forward to that. And I hope, uh, I, like I said, it's always cool to have new creators in the space. And, uh, uh and it's great to see Jordan's, uh, taking the ball and, and running with it. And, uh, you know, I didn't think, like, I know he kind of mentioned it to me when I talked to him. We got off the air and he was kind of asking me a couple, like, just, oh, how do you do that? You know, how do you do it? Or how do you, t-? you know, we we're just kind of talking shop. And, uh, and, uh, next thing I know, boom, out, out, here he comes. So, uh, no, that's really cool. And, uh, and I, you know, and I, and I look forward to, uh, seeing more of his stuff, but I'm really looking forward to listening to his interview with Lizon. That'll be cool. So check it out. Five in a game on YouTube, as well as, uh, on all your podcast platforms. Um, and finally, last but not least, the, the, the YouTube channel of D Skunk, uh, my boy Jay there, you, you've heard him on this show before. He's had this channel forever, uh, like over a decade and he's been uploading fights forever. Uh, he's kind of, he's the, he, he's in Quad City. So he puts a lot of the, obviously he's a Southern, uh, SPHL fan because of the Quad City Storm. Um, so he's been kind of doing a lot of, uh, SPHL uploads, but over the years, yeah, he's had the Mallard stuff on there, uh, old UHL stuff, IHL stuff. He's been, like I said, he's been doing it for over a decade. So definitely check out his channel as well. Some great stuff there. But, uh, alright folks, let's, let's get into the meat of the matter here. What are we going to talk about? Um, well, as I was saying, I was always, I'm always sort of looking for new ideas or new things for the show or things to try out. But, but long-term listeners to the show know, um, I like to share my, my, my ranting and raving on social media. Um, I actually, I don't really rant and rave that much on social media, not as much as I used to, but, um, what I do, <laughs> social media is an unfortunate byproduct of being on the, doing a podcast. Um, if you're going to promote your podcast, obviously you have to be on, uh, Twitter and Facebook and I should probably be on Instagram, but I'm not. Um, I haven't, I haven't brought myself to, to get on the gram yet, as they say. I probably should, but I don't. Um, 
But you're, you're, I have to be on it to promote the show. As I've always said on here a bunch, I've said this on a bunch of times on here. Alec has echoed the sentiment as well, but it's just like, yeah, if it wasn't for these, for this podcast, I wouldn't be on social media. I hate Twitter. Um, I hate Facebook. Um, I don't hate Facebook because, because Facebook, you can sort, you can obviously sort of tailor make who you're friends with and whatever. Um, well, I, sadly, I've always said I, I actually like the platforms when you don't scroll. Um, for a while there, I was actually implementing that and it was pretty good. Unfortunately, though, obviously, I miss stuff from people that I enjoy. Like, obviously, the people I'm following, I like their stuff or I wouldn't follow them. Um, you know, but unfortunately, um, well, I like some of their stuff. We'll put it that way. Um, basically, I, I started to do this, especially on Twitter. I would answer my notifications. I checked my notifications, and that was it. And I'd just post something, but I wouldn't scroll. And I was a lot happier that way. Because uh, I find when I just scroll, all I do is just get irritated. Because um, if it's not some political horse shit, it's some moronic sports take or whatever. But there are some, like I said, there are some things that I like to follow the seventies. Personally, I think the, the seventies sports guy is the, the best Twitter account in the world. Um, I love his stuff. Um, you know, you know, Dr. Chris puts stuff out. He, you know, it, obviously it's, uh, well, not only science, but he throws a little political thing out, but he uses his big school words. So that's interesting to read. Um, you know, there, there's people I enjoy their stuff, but then there's other guys. I laugh on Twitter. I'd say probably half the people I follow, I I've, I've muted. Because it's like I don't care what you what your political views are or anything like that. I don't care. I like talking hockey with them, but that's about it. Um, you know. But outside of that, I I really I hate social media. I really do. Um, anyway, the point of all this. But anyway, so um, I guess it's trolling in a sense, but. As I'm going along, and it, it it usually starts with something I've either I've either put or someone I follow has put, and then I will comment on, usually agreeing with them. But then somebody will jump in and say whatever. The only time I kind of really get into it with anybody is is just when they say ignorant shit. Now, again, I mean, at social media, I mean, you could you could fight twenty four seven three sixty five if you want to. Um, but most of the stuff on hockey, Twitter, whatever, it's just like ignorant shit and just kind of like, what, what, what are you saying? And most of the time I'll do it when I'm at work because I'm usually trying to kill time at work. So I'll kind of throw a few barbs, um, not really barbs, just sort of, sort of point out their ignorance. Really. It's, it's not me sitting there name calling people, but it's more just like, what are you talking about? And it's, you know, and then from there, whatever. So I guess in a roundabout way here, uh, to make a, you know, a long story longer. Um, I, I, and then if something happened, whatever, I come back and I talk about it on the show, right? Um, so I, I basically, it's like, I, I think on the Sunday episodes, I think my new, I, I, I think I'll start every show off now with my week on the internet. That, that'll be my new series. It'll be like a little, uh, you know, uh, weekend news update. Uh, but it'll be, yes, my week on the internet. And, uh, you know, and I'm, cause I'm sure mostly all the time, uh, I will have some sort of goofy interaction with people, whether it be on Twitter or on Facebook or what have you. And, uh, and I had a few this week and it's more just, um, 
yeah, I don't know. It just kind of, uh, unlike the first one, and, and and it's, I mean, it's not like the we're to, we're we're trying to change the world here or anything else. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like anything on social media. The point of there's no point in really arguing with anybody because it's not like you're going to change. They're not going to change your mind. You're certainly not going to change theirs. So all you're doing is sort of howling at the moon. But I've always said, like, when people say ignorant shit. I like to fucking subtweet them, call them out on it, basically to let everyone else see their stupidity. And it's not that what they're saying is a different opinion than mine. That's not what I'm saying. It's just when they make these blanket statements that make no sense. It's like, oh, okay, you know, again, uh, you know, and I will say before all this starts, even with this podcast and whatever else, it got brought up to me, uh, it's been brought up to me before, but it's like, I had this one, this one female, uh, she doesn't follow me, she's just trolling in, um, whatever her name, I don't care what her name was, whatever, much like she doesn't care who mine is, but um, we were talking about fighting or whatever, I wasn't even talking to her, I was talking to someone else, and she chimes in with, you know this doesn't matter, right? Like, I see you have a podcast about hockey, you know your podcast doesn't matter in the world, Right? And it's just like, yeah, I know, no shit, like, I know this doesn't matter. I'm fully aware that my podcast doesn't matter, my Twitter account doesn't matter, I know, you know, I love these people that think they, they throw out the most, they think they're the most profound statements in 140 characters. It's like, you know, all of a sudden the light went off and I'm like, yeah, you know what, Unicorn Girl 62 is correct. What have I been doing this whole time with my life? Like, are, are you thinking, are you having some fucking coming to Jesus moment or something? I know all this shit doesn't matter. You know, L- listen, you're fucking, I'm looking at your profile and shit that you're talking to me. You look like you're about 19, 20 years old. I'm going to lay some truth on you here. You don't know shit from apple butter about the world. All right. You don't know shit. Believe me, I was in your position. When I was 19, I thought I fucking knew everything too. You, you realize later on in life, you didn't know fuck all, Right. So you don't. So don't come at me with these some like this big philosoph. You're gonna just philosophize about the the ways of the world with me. You don't know anything. You probably still live at home. You know, you're a barista at Starbucks and you go to school taking arts and arts and science. You know, which is nothing wrong with that. Go get educated, but don't fucking try to talk to me about life. You haven't gone through anything yet. You know, you wait. It gets harder, believe me. You know, but I love it. She's just like, you know, it doesn't matter, bro. What? Like, yeah, I know it doesn't. Like, do I do I think this, this podcast is changing the world? No. I'm, like I've always said, I'm fully aware of where this podcast and what I do on social media as a air quote creator, I understand in the ecosystem of things on the totem pole of, of importance. I believe me, I'm completely self-aware and know where I stand. You know, no, I'm an, this is an entertainment podcast that takes people away for an hour or two every week. That's what this is. And we talk about fighting and hockey and hockey, how we like it or used to like it, etc. That's it. If I went away tomorrow, is it, would anybody's life somehow just be lessened? No. They, my show, I in their podcast listening schedule, my show would just be replaced with the next guys. I know that, but 
Thank, but thank you for your for your two cents. I, I'm so enlightened now. Uh, yeah, so maybe just you know what, go back to your double half calf there and, and go hacky sack in the fucking quad for a while and you know let the grown ups talk. You know I'm I'm not I'm not too concerned about your opinion. Much like you're not concerned about mine. I know whatever I'm saying you don't give a shit about. So never mind. Go away. You go over there. I'll be over here. Don't worry about it. Anyway. My week on the internet. Um, yeah, well, the first one, some guy chimed in. I, I don't know who I was talking to, but the guy chimed in. Uh, for those that don't know, obviously, Tim Hunter. Well, everybody listening knows who Tim Hunter is. But, of course, after he was done playing, um, of course, he went on and had a lengthy uh, coaching career. Um, he was the assistant coach in Washington, San Jose, Toronto, um, you know, for for a number of years. And... Um, and then he became a head coach uh, with the Moose Jaw Warriors in the Western Hockey League. And uh, and he was there for, what, uh, one, two, three, four, uh, five full, no, one, two, three, four, six years. Um, six years. And uh, he ended up, he was a world junior coach one year. Um, anyway, uh, I can't remember who the guy's name is. We don't follow each other, whatever, but we were talking and, and he, or we were in a thread and the guy makes the statement that Tim Hunter was the worst coach the Moose Jaw Warriors have ever had. Um, and when I first read it, I was kind of like, oh, okay. And then I'm thinking in my head, well, he would coach the world juniors. So he couldn't have been that bad. I don't, like I said, it, this was just in 2014 to 2020, he was coaching. So I wasn't following it anymore, but I'm kind of thinking, it seems to me just from remember watching news highlights, I'm like, I think Moose Jaw was fairly successful for a while. So I kind of went and I went and looked up his stats and it's like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. So I looked at his stats. Okay. The first season he was the coach of the Moose Jaw. Uh, his first season, they had a 479 winning percentage that they didn't make the playoffs. The second year, uh, they went 36 and 27, 563 winning percentage. They lost in the second round. Third year there, he has a winning percentage of 646. Uh, they lost in the first round. Uh, then the next, they went 52 and 15 for a 757 winning percentage. Again, round two loss. Then the next year after that, a 647 winning percentage. Again, lost the first round. So he's not having a lot of playoff success. So you might have something there. But, but, <coughs> and then the, 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 his last year in Moose Jaw, they were terrible. They went 14 and 44, and then that was the end of him there. But, um, 563, 646, 757, 647 winning percentages. And you're going to say he was the worst coach in Moose Jaw history. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm not seeing it, man, at those winning percentages. Yeah, the playoff results weren't that great. Um, so, you know, maybe you could point some fingers there, but, um, really? 757 winning percentage, you know, 52 and 15, which I'd venture to say was probably, if not one up, if it's not, it's close to the best record. The Moose Jaw Warriors have probably ever had as a in the franchise history, and you're going to claim he's the shittiest coach. It's like at some point, and this is like anything. I'm going to go off on a tangent here, and you know we veer off in a little bit here. But I, I I notice every everything always seems to go back to the coaches, right? And I guess it's one of those the old saying is they get too much credit when the team wins and too much blame when the team loses, and that's probably true. At the end of the year, it's like oh well, he choked in the playoffs. Well, did he? He's not playing net. You know, he's not the one not scoring. I mean, I suppose as a coach, I mean, it's your, it's your duty to put the, the guys in the best position to win. But at the same time, 
when you went 52 and 15 with for a 757 winning percentage and then you go into the playoffs I can't really again I wasn't there I'm, I, so I'm just I'm throwing this out but at that point I don't think you're changing your lines too fucking much are you when you win 52 games I don't think you're going to mix and match now once we make the playoffs we're going to try something different uh you know so Clearly, the players kind of shit the bed, I would think. You know, maybe he didn't make the best line changes or whatever, line matchups, but, you know, overall at, you know, 52 and 15 got you into the playoffs. I don't think all of a sudden he became a moron behind the bench and didn't know how to do a line change. Um, so I'm kind of thinking the players, especially when you're in junior, you're dealing with teenagers and all that goes, you know, whatever. They have their own ideas, you know, but, and, but anyway. To go back to what I was saying with this guy, he goes, well, no, he was terrible because the players hated him. I'm like, well, you know, I mean, I'm not putting it on the same level, but I mean, the players hated Scotty Bowman and Mike Keenan and them, and, and them too, and they were pretty successful, and Tortorella, and, you know, so, okay. And, and I mean, I don't, like, again, I wasn't there, I don't know, maybe he was a dick, but at, at the end of the day, so they got mad at him come playoff time, I guess, by the looks of it. Because they weren't mad at him during the regular season, or they didn't quit playing for him in the regular season. Clearly, by the winning percentages uh, until the last year, going fourteen and forty-four. Obviously, they gave up. But I mean, it's junior hockey, and it goes in cycles. So you obviously, you know, once you lose your horses, you're kind of relying on young kids to, you know, it's always, you know, everything goes around and around, and you know, up and down uh, in junior hockey. But um, you know, and every coach has a bad year and gets fired at some point. You're hired to be fired, right? Um, again, I'm not making excuses for Tim Hunter. Maybe I don't know him. Maybe he was a dick and got run out of town and moose job. But I'm just like, I, to this guy, I'm like, well, the statistic, well, he never won. Well, he did. Not in the playoffs, but I mean, okay. But, I mean, somebody's got to lose these series, right? I mean, you know, and again, I, I think a lot of that, you know, the player's got to take some responsibility for that too. So, just saying. Um, but anyway... But this guy was just adamant with me that, oh, Hunter, oh, how many coaching jobs has he gotten since? I'm like, well, he's in his mid-60s at that point, and I'm pretty sure, again, I'm not his banker, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't need the money. So I think he's probably just retired. Oh, no, I heard he tried to get in Calgary with the hitman, and they, they turned him down. Okay. Because maybe they had their own guy that they wanted. I, 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 I don't know what you want me to say. Okay, he didn't get the job. And, you know, there's a million guys looking for coaching jobs. I'm not saying Tim Hunter is the most qualified coach of all time. But, I mean, after a decade of NHL experience coaching, again, he was the assistant coach, but he still, well, played how many games? Like, I don't know, hundreds and seven, 800 NHL games as a player. Then a decade as an assistant coach in different organizations. And then, you know, was a world junior coach. You know, had four out of six winning seasons with his junior team. I there's there's probably there's he's he's better than most candidates I would say, but they probably had their guy that they wanted or whatever. I mean, okay. I I'm like I don't know how you want me to respond to that. You want me to just agree with you that Hunter was terrible. Again, this guy's from Moose Jaw and I'm and he's a Moose Jaw Warriors, so I'm sure he billets and he's around the players all the time and oh he's I'm sure as a season ticket holder or whatever, he's right in the middle of the gossip. Um so do the teenagers hate Tim Hunter? Well, maybe I guess so. You know, I'm not gonna say he's wrong. I mean maybe they do. Um okay. That because the players don't like you doesn't make you a bad coach though. So I, you know, anyway, this really has no 
who's right or wrong. I don't know. I'll put it this way. Neither of us in this argument were in the room. So, I mean, he's talked to some players and I guess, like I said, they didn't like him. All right. Well, they didn't like him. Does that make him a bad coach? Because the players don't like you? Well, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's, it, I don't know how to, I don't know what to say. Um, there's lots of coaches that the players don't like him. So that have been successful. But anyway, no, I just thought he was the worst coach they've ever had. Well, I don't know about that. You know, maybe in the room he was, maybe they hated him, but I, I think the, the numbers sort of bear out at that winning percentage that, uh, that maybe they don't. But, um, anyway. Oh, and then the other guy was arguing with me about, he was talking about Bob Probert and the reason he died was because of CTE and, that's what, and it's that same old argument. That's why they should get rid of fighting because of CTE and, and all this stuff. And it's like, well, okay. But <laughs> what got me with this guy, as it gets me with so many of these guys, they love to yell and scream about, oh, we need to get rid of fighting because of the head issues and everything else. But then he's talking about, well, that's one thing I like about hockey. It was just a good solid check. I'm like, mm, okay. But you, but a sentence before you were all so concerned about CTE. You know, I'm like, if you're that concerned about it, I guess we should probably get rid of hitting too. Which, of course, he responds, yeah, no, man, you're you're taking it way overboard. Yeah, you don't get it, brah. Oh, brah. I like that one. All of a sudden, we're in fucking Hawaii waiting for the, we're going to hang 10 here right away. Shut the fuck up. You know, it's like, be consistent with your outrage is all I'm at, all I'm saying. Um, I, I would venture to say that there's been a lot. I said, well, how many fights has Crosby been in? You know, but I mean, how many concussions has he had? Hitting has caused way more concussions. Well, yeah, but if they, if you keep your elbow, like they're trying to get rid of headshots, if they keep their elbows double, a clean hit can cause a concussion. Clean hits have caused concussions. I always act, it's always funny how these people act like, oh, it's just the dirty hits that cause concussions. No, it's the sudden fucking stop. You know, if you put a shoulder into a motherfucker's chest right at the blue line, he's going to have a concussion going 35 miles an hour. I mean, you know, it's it's not uh, these people just uh. and I and personally, I'd like to I'd rather take my chances in the fist fight than getting caught with my head down at center ice. That's just me. But, you know, but I, I, I want to see that was his profile thing looking to rid hockey of CTE. What are you talking about? You're you're like fucking leaf boy 61 and you're talking about you're going to rid hockey of CTE. OK, who are you, you know, with your 72 followers? I'm like, okay, but you like hitting. I said, well, then get rid of contact too. You should get, if you're going to do a big, uh, you know, you're going to do an, a, a big, uh, <laughs> uh, what's the word I'm searching for? Uh, if you're going to do a big picket and, uh, you know, collect names, do a big petition to get rid of CTE and hockey, well, then you should get rid of contact too. Well, now you're just being ridiculous. Really? I'm the one being ridiculous in this conversation? Okay. Um, you know, no, it's more, I, I guess it's, it's the optics of it. That's what you don't like. Can you get concussions from fighting? Of course. But, but it's the optics of the fist, it's the fist fight. The gladiator mentality, like you're in the, you know, you're in, in the old, uh, Coliseum and you're fighting the lions or whatever. It's like, okay, I get it from that standpoint, but hitting causes more concussions. So then you want to get rid of hitting too. Well, not if it's done safely. Oh, I, how, how do you safely hit somebody? I, that's the other one that these people, like what, 
And the moon is made of cheese. Like, what fantasy land are you living in? Like, really? Like, well, you gotta, you can hit, but safely. Okay, well, oh, when you can, when you figure all that out, you get back to me on how you can hit someone safely. Oh, God. Just, anyway, this is hockey Twitter in a nutshell, folks. Like I said, my week on the internet. So, it's just shit like that that I like to point out and just kind of talk to these people like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't know. But, anyway. That's it. I mean, that's my little, my, my little news segment of the day. I mean, I don't know if that, you know, it's not like we, you know, like I said, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say now. Like I said, it's it's 9:30 on a Sunday night. I'm sort of babbling at this point, but <clears throat> yeah, I I, don't, I I realize we're not changing the world here as much as uh, Unicorn Girl there tells. It doesn't matter, brah. Yeah, I know. Uh, okay, you know, go have your avocado toast. Like, go away. You know, but um, yeah, I guess. Well, I guess the only really kind of big thing that happened in hockey, obviously, over the over the Christmas break and everything else, was of course the World Junior Tournament. Um, you know, and it's the best junior players in the world. And uh, you know, um, to be completely like everything else, I I, uh, I did actually watch a bunch of the games this year, uh, the Canada games. I didn't tune into you know Switzerland versus Finland or anything, but um, yeah, we kind of watched like the second period on, kind of as we were eating and just hanging out watching the games. Um, you know, I—I I mean, I, I'm assuming like the World Junior Tournament obviously means more in Canada than it does the rest of the world. I—I I see that argument a lot of times. Or it's funny the people that try to—I don't know—they—they they try to. Um, I don't know what the what, what the word I'm searching for is or the phrase. Um, I guess just lessen the importance of it. I, you know, it's. Uh, well, no one cares about this tournament, just the Canadians, and it's overhyped, and uh, it's just a big money grab by the inter- by the IAHF, and blah, blah. Well, yeah, I mean, so's the Olympics, so's the World Cup. So, I mean, if we're, we're talking about money grabs and big FIFA and all that, and yeah, I mean, what's the Super Bowl? What's everything? Of course, they're all money grabs. They have Final Four, March Madness Tournament. You know, it's like, oh, it's just about advertisement. It's about the money. and uh, yeah. Every, I hate, again, I mean, if we're going to, the world, that's what makes the world go around is the money. I mean, okay. I, I don't know what your point is, though. Like, it's just, oh, it doesn't matter. It's a money grab. All right. And, you know, thanks there, fucking Socrates. You know, like, uh, yeah. Like, all of a sudden, everyone's a philosopher all of a sudden. It's sports. Like, let's break it. Like, let's like just down to brass tacks here. Just you and I talking here. Just you know, whatever. Like seriously though, I'm not trying to be edgy or my fire take or whatever. But again, going back to what it doesn't matter, brah. That you know, it's fucking sports. Does any of it matter? Or seriously? Like really? It's grown adults playing kids games and getting paid millions. I mean, the absurdity of that alone, if you actually think about it. But it's an entertainment that takes people away of whatever. I mean, I don't have a problem with the money and all that. But I'm just saying, as we get down to the bare bones of the matter, what are we talking about? If you just seriously think about it. And people pick sides and actually get into fist fights and arguments over my team's better than your team. That's all half of social media is, is picking teams. 
It's ridiculous. The whole on the the whole thing of it is ridiculous. So it's all of a sudden like to, you you think you're making some big huge point by saying the World Juniors is just a money grab from TSN. Well, yeah, no shit. And like, but yet you're the same. You go on and on about, it, but you watch it, which kills me. Like sports in general is a money grab, yet you all support it. So, like, put, like, stop being a bunch of fucking hypocrites and just enjoy the sport. You know what it means something to? The fucking guy's playing in it. You watch the games at the end. The team that loses, their kids are crying right on the ice. You don't think it means something to them? Of course it does. So this like, it doesn't matter. Well, it does to them. It does, ask the Czech guys if it doesn't matter. Ask Team USA after they lost if it doesn't matter. Like, what are we doing? Uh, and then you, and then you get the other ones. I think, like I said, they're, they're trying to, I'm just spitting facts, bro. It's sports. It doesn't matter. Well, yeah, I know. Who are you talking to? Like I just said it. If you get down to the bare bones of any of this shit, this pot, any of this shit, it's all nonsense. Like, yeah. And so, like I said, these people that like to go this profound, like it, it's a money grab. Well, yeah, well, sports, sports is a money grab, you know, if we want to go there. So, you know, God, give it a rest. But the actual game, um, yeah, I mean, and again, I always laugh at some of these people like they're, oh, we should have taken Jim Smith from Swift Current instead of this guy. Okay, well, so basically, you should have taken the Porsche instead of the Ferrari. Like, really? Like, any of these players are bad. Like, I always love that one. Oh, well, our fourth line could have been stronger. Oh, yeah, sure. You go back and look at the guys that they have, that team would... <coughs> like, I don't know I don't know any of these players or whatever. But go look at the air quote fourth line on Team Canada. Oh, yeah. I'm just a bunch of muckers and grinders there, eh? Like, are you... They're probably the leading scorers on their teams. Like, what? Like, okay. Oh, but we, but if we taken that guy, oh, a difference maker right there. Sure. You know, like, really? These are the best players. You know, best players in the world. And, um, yeah, and it, it, it's, you know, it's a, it's a great tournament and, uh, you see the future stars and, uh, you know, and Connor Bedard, of course, was the big talk of this year and unbelievable. You know, the kid put, you know, Canada's leading scorer of all time. He's got the bubble, you know, 17, he's got the bubble mask on. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, um, you know, I've been watching for two years here in Regina, um, have, have heard his name every night on the highlights and, uh, yeah, he's a special player and, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does in the NHL. I mean, there's no guarantee. I mean, there's been a lot of air quote special players that, um, you know, never lived, never lived up to the hype. So, um, you know, we'll see what NHL team gets him and the environment that he can be put in. And, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, I mean, like I said, you get the Morana caught takes the two best players right now in, in the world are Connor McDavid and Connor Bedard. Like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, you put Connor Bedard in an NHL game right now and see what happens. Like, yeah. As my brother pointed out to me, because all the world junior and the hype and stuff, he goes, imagine if Bedard was on the ice with Lindros, though, at the same, like, put them both when they're 17 on the ice, you know. I'm like, as as great as Connor Bedard and everything is, yeah, he'd be a oil stain after Lindros ran him over. Um, you know, which is, they're obviously it's a different time and different players, but, um, yeah, I mean, 
Bedard is he's pretty small. I mean, obviously he's seventeen. He'll fill out. He's got to put on some weight. Um, I don't really know. How t- I think he's only about five foot ten, though. I mean, yeah, granted, in today's NHL, yeah, you can be smaller and you know whatever. But I mean, there's always small guys. But obviously, with the less contact and everything nowadays, um, it's much more of a, a speed pond hockey type game. So obviously, it fits his game more. Um, it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, we'll see how he does. I mean, I, you know, it's not that I'm wishing any ill on him or anything. Um, no, he's a great player, uh, led the team and, uh, yeah. And I mean, had that big goal there to beat the U S and, uh, you know, um, you know, it's, it, uh, yeah. The only thing about the, about the tournament there at the final, it's like the gold medal game and it's three on three in overtime. It's like, this, it looked like shinny at recess, you know, three on, th- I mean, I know it's the international. That's, I put, I put that on Twitter. I'm like, why are we playing a three on three like it's shinny at recess? And somebody goes, international rules, bro, figure it out. I, 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 you fucking idiot. I know what the rules are. I'm just saying it out loud that they're moronic is what I'm saying. But I understand that's international rules. Of course, I see a bunch of other dorks. I should do this all the time. The NHL should be three on three full time. Oh, of course. And of course, it's always some space cadet that's watched hockey for about three weeks now. Yeah, three on three full time in the NHL. Oh, yeah, that would just be great. Yeah, we'd get games 32 to 29. And I mean, they don't, you don't hit now. It's, it was funny. I kind of mentioned, I was saying that to Alec. And like he said, it's amazing. And it's true. These people, all the uniqueness of hockey they want to get rid of. They fell, they fall in love, they become huge hockey fans, and then as soon after they become huge fans, all they want to do is change the game. And he's right, it's true. It, yeah, everything that you fell in love about, the, you fell in love with the game about, you, you now want to change. And oh, we should do three on three, we should do this, get rid of fighting, and nobody really hits, and blah, 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 and make it just an all-star game, and oh, it, it show off the skills and the speed. It's like, I've always said that, when was hockey ever slow? Oh, have you watched highlights from the 80s? No, I grew up in the 80s. It wasn't slow then. Again, you got to watch it in a vacuum because we didn't know anything different in the 80s. At the time, those were the best players and fastest players in the world. But hockey has never been slow, ever. How much faster do you want it? You know, I know there's attention deficit now all over the place. You can't sit still. Oh, squirrel. I mean, but that's just like, relax. Just sit and watch for a while, all right? Like, give it a three-on-three full-time. Come on. But, anyway, to get on with things, um, I know I'm sort of, I've stopped and started and rambled and found my notes and on and on. So, I mean, you can't really tell my editing notes, my editing of this, but I've hit pause and stop and start and a whole bunch of times here. But, um, actually, what I was going to bring up... um, Speaking of the World Juniors, I was just going to talk about some of the tough guys that uh, that have played for basically Team USA and Team Canada over the years. And um, yeah, I'm going to throw some names at you, and you might not have known that they were in the tournament. So it's interesting just going on, um, just the different guys that have played in the tournament and uh, and that type of thing. Uh, just looking at Team USA, well, here we go, player spotlight. Uh, Jesse Bullerice actually played for two years um, with for Team USA. Uh, Mike Brown. Um, the OHL Mike Brown, not the Western League Mike Brown. Uh, Adam Deadmarsh, of course, played three years with Team USA. Um, back in 1987, I didn't know this, Mike Hartman, former Buffalo Sabre tough guy. Uh, he played in the World Juniors. Ed Hospodar in 1978. Uh, Ty Jones, 
Steve Leach played three years for Team USA. And, you know, that, I mean, somebody, oh, he wants to talk to whatever, gritty, you know, I, I'd, I'd take about 30 Steve Leaches in the NHL right about now. Um, and Doug Smolik in 1990 played for Team USA. Um, for Canada, I mean, obviously the list is, is longer on Canada, but, um, you know, you had Bookaboom in 85, Garth Butcher in 1982. Here's one for you guys you might not know. Lyndon Byers in 1984 played for the World Junior Team. Terry Karkner uh, in 1986. Wendell Clark. Um, in 1985, and actually he played as a defenseman. I don't know if anybody, if, if a lot of you guys out there know that, but Wendell Clark throughout junior, uh, was a defenseman for the Saskatoon Blades. Uh, Shane Corson played two years. Uh, Gerald Diddick, uh, Rob DeMaio. Uh, here's one for you, for, for you, uh, uh, old time hockey fans. Uh, Boris Fistrick of the New Westminster Bruins. Legendary tough guy, 400, back to back 400 minute seasons. Um, was, his name is synonymous uh, in, in around the old junior circles in the late 70s. Um, yeah, 1979, he uh, he played for the world junior team. Uh, Jerome McGinla, Barrett Jackman, Jovanovski. Uh, Zach Cassian, he played on the world junior team. Um, again, I'm not trying to, like, oh, that's, these are enforcers I'm talking. I'm just saying, you know what I mean, tough, you know, tougher guys that played on the on the team. Mike Keenan, or Mike, Mike Keenan, Mike Keen in 1987, of course. 1987 was the famous punch-up in Pistani when, of course, the Russians and Team Canada had the uh, all-time bench-clearing uh, bench brawl and they shut the lights off and everything else. If you guys aren't familiar with that, just type in 1987 World Junior Brawl. You'll see all the videos all over YouTube. Check it out. Russia and Canada. Mike Keane was a part of that team. Uh, Shanahan, uh, Everett Santa Pass, um, Theron Fleury started it all. Shocking. But the Russians were kind of the first team to leave the bench. It was actually the uh, gold medal game. Um, and yeah, and Canada was, uh, was up 5-2 or something. And then the, that was always sort of like, oh, Russia started the brawl on purpose and whatever. And they both teams got banned and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, the brawl's pretty wild. Uh, Gord Kluzak in 1982. Again, Eric Lindros, he played the three years. Um, Darcy Lowen in 1989. Actually, going through the list, I didn't realize Darcy Lowen had played for Team Canada. Um, Brad May in uh, 1991. Of course, 1991 was when it was here in Saskatoon. <coughs> here in Saskatoon, and that was my first exposure to, obviously, Eric Lindros and Brad May, who I became, um, well, I was a lifetime, after that, I became a lifetime fan of Brad May and Lindros. I like both of them. But it was fun to like watch, you know, because you see them as teenagers at the World Junior and you see them go on. Of course, Lindros had all the hype and the next one and all that. But um, Brad, I remember looking at them because, again, oh, no internet, no nothing back. You didn't know. And they were OHL guys, so we didn't know them around here. But they had their, like, get to know the team and they had in the paper and they had a roster and, like, little bios on each guy. And, of course, I read Brad Mays and saw 309 penalty minutes with Niagara Falls. I said, well, he's my favorite guy on the team. And, uh, yeah, and he ran around and hit everybody. And you guys all, well, obviously you guys know who Brad May is and how he turned out. So, but yeah, um, Scott Mellenby in 86, Gary Nyland, 82, Steve Ott was on the team for two years, Luke Richardson, Gary Roberts. Richardson was also a member of the Brawl team in 87. Um, Al Secord, 1977. Um, Shanahan, like I said before, Wade Simmons, Stan, Stan Smeal in 78, um, Lee Sorokin. I always like Lee Sorokin. Uh, he's kind of a big old tough blue liner from the Western League. Um, he played, uh, Turner Stevenson, Scott Thornton. Scott Thornton was a member of the 91 team here in Saskatoon. Um, Jordan Tutu in 2003, and he ran over everybody. That's what they used to play the train horn. We called him the Tutu train. 
And he, I, I think Canada didn't do really well in that tournament that year. They didn't medal, I don't think. But he, I remember watching that, and he ran over everybody. And, of course, he's so small, and he's just drilling guys. And, and they're just like, what the, who is this guy? And Tutu sort of stepped on the world stage at that point. Um, but he was a great player with the Brandon Weekings. He's a 50-goal guy, and he'd fight and stuff. And he was a little bastard, man. He was mean as shit, dirty as shit. I remember going to some Brandon games here, and he was mean and dirty, but he could play. And uh, But, yeah, he'd run guys. Oh, tremendous. Uh, Darcy Tucker, again, same thing. Um, you know, 100 points, 65 goals, the Kamloops Blazers, and just a kind of pain in the ass agitator, but he'd fight. Um, I mean, I'm here, I'm explaining Darcy Tucker to you guys, you know who he is, but he was a part of those great Kamloops teams and, uh, what an outstanding, you go back and look up his junior stats. Looks like a creative player on PlayStation. I mean, unbelievable. Um, Pat Verbeek in 83 and then, you know, Brendan Witt in 1994. Yeah. I mean, he's big, huge defenseman there in Seattle and he was mean man and just hammering guys. And, um, that was the one thing. And I, and I've said this the last couple of years. And like I said, this is all hockey's changed and everything. And I get it, but, um, man, and, and I'm just going from a Canada perspective. Cause I mean, obviously those are the games I watched growing up were the Canada games, but, um, Canada, and I don't think anybody could argue this. It's true all through the nineties and whatever, when we were watching Canada always had like kind of that line of checker. I mean, they're all good player. Obviously they're all great players, but, um, they were, and, and they'd have like that mean defense pairing that would just blast guys. Like I remember Dion Phaneuf, they had their, Shea Weber and Phaneuf were like the, the, the D top line D one year. And that was, uh, that was the, I believe the lockout year. And, and they hammered the shit out of Ovechkin. I remember they played the Russians in the gold medal game. And it was Ovechkin versus Crosby even back then, right? They were the two guys. And Fanuf and those guys just beat the shit out of Ovechkin. And he, Ovechkin quit. Again, everybody listens to the long-time listeners. No, I'm not a big OV guy and everything. And But it's true. You can go back and watch. And he Ovechkin had the tinted visor that no one wore back then. He just looked like a goof. And he just got... They just plowed him. Fanoff and all them. Everybody, they, every time they could take a shot at him, they would. And Ovechkin ended up, like, quitting in the third period. He just sat on the bench. He was probably hurt, but whatever. He Essentially, he quit. And, of course, Canada beat him in the gold medal. But that was always my... I remember... And I was wrong... But I remember, I remember way back when people saying, like, I remember, because by then the internet was around and whatever. I remember saying on message boards, I'm like, everybody's talking about this OV guy. I'm like, this guy's a, he just quit. Obviously how wrong I was, but he did quit that time. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, at least he ditched the tinted visor. Oh, terrible. But, um, yeah, um, but yeah, Canada always had like the big hitters and, there was always a ton of hitting, but yeah, they've certainly gotten away from that now. But hockey in general has gotten away from that now. But it's funny. We, you know, I watched a couple of those games. I'm sitting there watching them with my wife and I'm like, holy shit, Canada really does not hit at all anymore. Like I didn't, maybe there was a couple bumps, but overall, like nothing like it used to be. And <clears throat> yeah, it's just, it's just a, it's, well, it's just hockey's different. I mean, I know that it wasn't like I was surprised by any of this, but yeah, it's just different times and, but yeah, I can I can certainly remember back when uh, when uh, Canada used to just hammer on teams. But but yeah, though the world is caught up. I'm not going to sit here. Oh, Canada's the best ever. And I mean, no, the world's caught up. I mean, the United States. I mean, all those teams could beat each other at any time. I mean, the U.S., the Czechs. It, it was it was it was different, of course, this year not having the Russian team there. They're always, of course, top contenders to win. And you know, um, yeah, I mean. 
at one time, yeah, Canada sort of dominated and whatever, but yeah, those days, I'm gonna, I'm not, I'll be the first to sit here and say that those days are over. I mean, Canada will always be, you know, in the top three or obviously top three. They'll always usually medal at the very least. Um, but yeah, no, to think that we're, we're supreme and no one's close to us would be an asinine statement. Someone that I'm certainly not going to make, but, uh, no, and I mean, obviously the Americans have caught up. The Russians have always been good. And I mean, those are the three sort of powerhouse, uh, countries and when it comes to hockey. So, and, um, yeah, and, and the U.S. has made leaps. Like I can remember in the, in the eighties and nineties, like Team USA, they were okay, but it, hockey was still just kind of getting a foothold, right? And it really, it happened when Gretzky went to LA and hockey became more popular, especially down in the South and more rinks started getting built and more kids started playing. Well, we're starting to see the seeds of that now, um, kind of come, right? Um, well, it, they, it's fully blossomed now, but you saw that back in the nineties. That's when hockey started gaining momentum in the United States. And, uh, and it's come to, it's come full circle now. I mean, well, you had Austin Matthews. There you go. He was the first overall pick and you see how great he's playing in the NHL. Um, he's from Arizona, I believe. Um, is it Arizona or is it Vegas? He's from somewhere hot anyway that you wouldn't expect hockey to be in years ago, but there's your first overall pick. And obviously hockey is growing, um, leaps and bounds. And, um, so as more kids, especially in the United States, just by sheer numbers and math with the, with, population that they I mean there's more people in Florida than there are in Canada right so just by the sheer number of uh as the uh and you have more and more players and and the skills um yeah I mean you have more NHL players that retire down in the states and I mean you watch the United States team I mean half their team was from guys that used to play in the NHL but a lot of the guys were Canadian guys right but they ended up playing in an American team and marrying an American girl and whatever and they stay down there and so their kids are playing for Team USA now and, and whatever, but you also have them as their level of expertise wherever they ended up staying and living. Like I know down in Missouri, I mean, like all the St. Louis Blues guys with Jamie Rivers to Tuchuk to Reed Lowe to Jansons and Chase and Twist and all those guys, um, all those NHL guys stay in that area after because they love the Blues so much. And I'm just using that as an example, but you know what I'm saying, right? And uh, Or a lot of them stay down in Florida, obviously, because of the weather and blah, 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 right? So, um, yeah, so now you have NHL-based guys that could be there to coach or what have you. So, yeah, the population, the, the kids, the youth is just going to get better and better. So, and, and I mean, with their numbers, it's like, well, yeah, you know, Canada's no longer the dominating force. Um, you know, in a world junior setting, anything like that, whenever it's a one game, it's like anything can happen in one game. So, uh, but for this year, obviously Canada, uh, won gold again. So, um, yeah, but it was a, it was a fun tournament to watch the kids. Uh, like I said, it's one thing we could say anything about the world juniors. Um, there's no quit with those kids and, uh, you know, cause they're all, they're all looking to get to the next level and showcase themselves and, and all that. And, uh, you know, that's the same thing I always say with minor league hockey and, uh, minor league baseball. I always think you're, you're not that the NHL guys don't, but the NHL guys will put it this way. They can afford to take some nights off because they're there and whatever. But with junior kids and that stuff, uh, or minor league guys, they can't because they're always, oh, someone's always watching and they can't afford to take the time off and, or, or, you know, dog it or whatever. Um, you know, you need, you know, like I said, you're always trying to, you're always trying to level up, so to speak. So, you're going to get maximum effort out of these kids. And, uh, and, and we saw that and you always see that. And, uh, you know, you go to a junior game, I think you'd be hard pressed to see people dog it. Um, you know, you'll always get your money's worth. Um, 
So, no, fun tournament to watch, and it was fun to sit down. Like I said, it had been actually been a bunch of years since I've kind of sat and actually watched games, and uh, yeah, it was fun, even though they didn't hit. <laughs> and now, a message from our sponsors. Hockey fans, like the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pre-game money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That wasn't enough excitement. You can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at even a bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Let's get into this player spotlight, shall we? As I said, it was um, Jesse Bullerice. Um Yeah, uh... American guy, six foot three, about two twenty. Um, like I said, I've always known about Bull Race. I've seen his fights, some of them. Um, it's one of those things. I guess it's like anything. Um, until you go down that rabbit hole and really pay attention and kind of one. Okay, I'm going to watch all this guy's stuff right in a row. Um, you need to do that to actually get a real, I think, a true sense of the fighter. And uh, so that's why I've said it before. Doing these player spotlights, I've really enjoyed them. Um, because I've been trying to actually pick guys that, um, I mean, I know who all the guys are that I've done spotlights on. Oh, I never knew he was that tough. I mean, no, I know who they are. I've seen their some of their fights. and But like I said, when you have hundreds of fight DVDs and you're always watching fights or whatever, everything just becomes mixed together and you forget things. Um, you know, obviously some fights will for, be, you know, forever stand out in your mind. But uh, for the most part, you know, most of this stuff just, you know, uh it just all mixes together. So, um, but when I sat, when you sit down and you actually give the guy your full attention and, and, and watch it, um, yeah, you definitely, you definitely see some things. And, and, and that's what with Bull Race tonight, it was funny because it all started because I was doing my list there for who played in the World Juniors on the different teams. I didn't realize Bull Race had played on Team USA. Um, so that's what, and I, in my mind, I was thinking, who am I going to do a player spotlight on as well? And it's like, well, I'll do him. Um, you know, and then I, I went down the YouTube rabbit hole this afternoon and it was like, you know, son of a bitch, man, this guy throws. And, um, yeah. And like I said, for those out there, for all you guys listening, yeah, as you're listening to this, go to YouTube and kind of just like look stuff up as I'm talking here about the different fights and you'll see what I mean. You'll, you'll love it. I mean, um, like I said, uh, you know, fairly big dude. Um, and, but he would, could throw with both hands. Um, and he was not, and he would, I mean, there's some pop behind those shots. And I mean, he lands, he had some big KOs and, uh, you know, it took some bomb, great chin. Um, you know, some, just some outstanding fights. And, uh, and I will say with Bull Ray, watching him, smart fighter would learn, obviously, uh, you know, he would, he'd lean away and he knew, he had a defensive type strategy as well. Um, but when it was time, but he had this, he, he'd wing his entire, you'll see what, again, you'll see what I mean when you start go, uh, hopefully you go down, go down the rabbit hole and watch the fights I'm talking about. But, and if you do, you'll see what I mean. He throws these, like he throws his whole, he twists his hips and throws his whole body into the punch. And, uh, 
it kind of off balance a little bit, but not, but he's obviously strong in his skates, but he kind of goes off balance winging punches sometimes. And then he kind of writes himself and whatever, but yeah, but, oh, just, I, I had a lot, I, I can't stress it enough. I had a lot of fun going down the rabbit hole here and it was like, son of a bitch, man. Um, I will say with the one thing when I do these, uh, different player spotlights, obviously I want to talk about, I mean, I have a million DVDs here, and I have some player DVDs, and probably a lot of them, you know, I have some minor league guys that, obviously, the fights aren't up on YouTube, so I'm not going to do those light spotlights, because it's like, well, then you can't see what I'm talking about, so it doesn't really matter. Um, so, and a lot, of, that's the problem with junior and minor league footage, a lot of it just isn't out there. Um, so there is, like, barely, I don't think there's, I don't think I've seen any Buller Ice OHL footage, um, but... Um, so I'm not going to, but he did spend some time in the American League, obviously, and some East Coast League stuff. Um, some of his later career, you know, 08, 09, 10, you know, that type of year, because that's when we're starting to get into, <coughs> pardon me, like internet TV and stuff. So some, a lot of his AHL, older AHL footage is out there. And he had great fights with Yablonski and Morassi, a tremendous fight with Joel Recklish that you should look up. Um, definitely do that. In terms of this spotlight, I'm just going to talk about this NHL stuff because everybody's NHL stuff for the most part. It, all the fights I'm going to talk about are on YouTube, so you can see what I'm talking about. But whenever I do these player spotlights, I'll always sort of spotlight their NHL stuff for that reason that it's available. You can see what I'm talking about. But yeah, the, with Bullrays, I, I definitely suggest going down just his just the rabbit hole. Just type his name in and just keep hitting next video because you'll they're all good. Believe me. But he, he has some great American League stuff. Um, but I'm just going to, obviously, for the sake of this exercise and for time, um, I'm just going to go over his Amer- or his uh, NHL stuff. But, um, yeah, he played, and I'm going by his drop, I have his drop, his old drop the gloves card up. Um, uh, he played 172 NHL games and he had 64 fights. That's including preseason. Um, and, yeah, he, he had some, he had some tremendous fights. I will say the one thing with Bullerice, um, he's very polarizing in the fact that, of course, uh, it, well, maybe you do, maybe the list, some of you don't know. Um, he was banned for life from the Ontario Hockey League for a stick swinging incident. Banned for life with air quotes. It was in the playoffs and it's kind of his last year. He wasn't coming back to junior anyway. So, but the, the AHL did, uh, for whatever reason it was surprising. Um, they suspended him for the first like 25 games as well, which is odd because the incident didn't happen in their league. It is now a professional league. So I'm really not quite sure what the AHL was trying to do. I guess trying to honor the suspension a little bit. Um, but, um, he was charged criminally. Um, basically he basically took a baseball swing to Andrew Long. It was in the playoff game. Um, and it, uh, the video is really grainy and old and you can't really tell. It's on YouTube if you look it up. But, um, yeah, he, yeah, he just smashes them right in the, it's brutal. And, um, you know, um, later on it was in, um, you know, 0708 with Philadelphia. Um, he again is, and this is in the NHL and it's, um, you know, we're 10 years later, but yeah, he cross checks Ryan Kessler right in the face and gets a 25 game suspension from the NHL. And that basically ended his NHL career as well. I mean, he played a couple of games after that, but. I think at that point, you know, it was sort of, uh, you know, uh, cause 
it was, it was basically right at the start of the year in October. It probably was one of the first handful of games into the regular season. Um, and then he gets suspended for 25 games and he basically ends up, well, it's not, he, he, uh, he ends up playing the rest of the year in, uh, in the American Hockey League. And, um, you know, he kind of, well, I shouldn't say he comes back up at the end for a little bit. Um, but then after that, yeah, his basically his NHL career is over. So, uh, he certainly, um, had some, uh, red flags around his career, did some pretty heinous shit, um, with the stick, um, you know, and, and it's too bad. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's tough, uh, it's always tough, I, I find anyway, it's always tough to defend the stick stuff. Um, now it's one thing if the guy's swinging a stick at you and you swing at him, yeah, the stick fight thing, I get it, but, um, just out of the blue like that, uh, it's tough. Um, yeah, like I, like with the whole, uh, like the, with the OHL stuff, I mean, the guy just basically bodied him into the wall and then, you know, just up against the glass, didn't even knock him down, but just up against the glass, a little hard check, and then he comes back with a baseball swing. It's like, what are you doing, man? Like, just, you know, and, then the, and I know it's Ryan Kessler, he's pain in the ass and everything else, and for the most times, I'd say Kessler deserves whatever he gets, but no one deserves a stick in the face. I mean, I always say when it's a guy mouthing off and you punch him or you give him a shot or whatever, yeah, all right. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I'll, I don't really have much of a problem with that, but yeah, stick in the face, nah, you know, that's, I mean, for that man, just drop your shit and start punching him, really. That's kind of more, you know, um, you know, so I'm not going to sit here and defend his, uh, cross check to Kessler. Um, you know, I, I, was he trying to hit him in the face? I, you normally, I would say I doubted he was probably trying to hit him in the chest, knock him down or whatever, but then you got a guy with a history, right? And it's like, well, you know, when there's, you know, um, smoke, there's fire, right? So hard to say, but, uh. But beyond the stick, we'll just talk about the fighting for tonight. Well, let's just talk about after I talk for five minutes about a stick swing. Um, but in terms of fighting, I mean, um, yeah, man, he, he, he could, he could throw down. And, um, you know, the, the first, uh, the first fight I kind of looked up was, uh, in 0102 with the Flyers. It's a preseason game and he fights, uh, Richard Scott. It's kind of during a little line scrum. And, uh, great fight with Richard Scott. There's another guy, Richard Scott's tremendous too. I should definitely do a spotlight on him. Um, and then his first regular season fight was October 8th, 01 against, uh, Jean-Luc Grandpierre. And it's a great fight. And I will say one thing with both, for both these guys, um, when you go look it up, they both land some solid shots on each other. And it's like both these dudes have chins. I'll say one thing about old, uh, Grandpierre there. He didn't actually fight that much. He's a big dude. Um, but he could, he could throw down when he had to, like he didn't fight much, but strong when he did. And, uh, yeah, I mean, basically, yeah, he kind of lands the better shots, but they both hit each other and they both show their chins in this fight. Um, but then after that, he, yeah, he basically, he spent the rest of the season in the, uh, in the American hockey league. Um, you know, had some great fights, you know, Thornton, Sean, uh, Steve Parsons, uh, Legault, um, Ryan Smear, Fritz, uh, Nadur, Kip Brennan. Um, yeah. And then the, uh, the following year, uh, he gets traded to Carolina and, uh, or signed as a free agent, however it may be. He was in Carolina anyway, 0203. And that's his first, uh, full season in the NHL. He plays 48 games and 22 fights. Of course, that's including, uh, six fights in the preseason. So he came out swinging in the preseason looking for a job and it obviously he earned one. Um, 
And again, uh, well, his first fight with in a Carolina uniform is in the preseason with Peter Worrell, you know, all six foot, whatever, seven, eight of them. And, uh, Bull Rice does really well. And, uh, I, I, you know, and he shows both hands and he, he beats Worrell, um, no doubt about it. And he gets the jersey over his head and he gives it to him. And, uh, you know, that's a big statement win right there. And, uh, you know, and then the next night, unfortunately, there's no video, but according to Drop Your Gloves, he fights Gaytan Royer, drops, and it says TKO beside it. So, um, you know, and then he has a fight with Andre Waugh. Then he has a really good fight with Stephen Pete. Um, again, um, you know, it's, it, it's a real solid back and forth. Um, probably say Pete got a little bit of the better of it, but nonetheless, stood there and banged. Um, and then the final fight of the preseason, he fights Jeff Rogers. And, you know, he, he picks up the win, but it, it's like anything with, like, is Jeff Hodges, has there ever been a bad fight that Jeff Hodges has been? I mean, just stand toe to toe and hammer each other, and it's a great fight. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, maybe, I guess maybe that he had the two fight night, he fought Jeff Cowan that night too. And, uh, maybe that sealed his, his ticket with Carolina because, uh, like I said, he stayed the rest of the year. And, uh, yeah, he had great fights with Vandebush, a, a really, a really good fight with Eric Bolton. Um, you know, uh, uh, later on in December, um, he has a fight with Chris Neal in Ottawa. And, uh, it's an interesting fight because they, they square, they have really good square off. They start going, um, it's pretty solid back and forth. Um, but then it's weird because they go down and it's like kind of one linesman gets there. Like the other linesman, I don't know, there must've been something else going on, like scrum or something. And these two separated away from the pile, but they're kind of going. And the ref kind of gets in, but he kind of, and then he backs off right away. And they both stand up. They're still holding each other, facing each other, and they're in still fighting stance. And then Bullerace, whack, throws that one more right, and he catches Neil right on the side of the jaw. And Neil goes down, and uh, which didn't happen much, and because Neil had a great chin too. And it didn't sleep or anything, but it was a flash kind of TKO. But um, it, it's just kind of a weird kind of you know, set up to it, but, uh, yeah, um, but just great power, right? Like I said, he, you you watch these fights, you'll see what I'm talking about. He just throws these, he's throwing heavy shots. And, uh, yeah, later on that week, uh, it was December 11th, uh, Scott Ferguson in Edmonton had a great fight with him. Uh, then another fight with Gordy Dwyer, who was playing with the Rangers at the time. Uh, Dwyer kind of just drops his gloves and goes, look, like it's a big scrum and he kind of picks bowler race off and they, and they go for a long time and, uh, yeah, they go back and forth and it, it's a real, um, real solid bout. And then, um, then he has a great fight right at the end of the year with Wade Belak. Um, and it's kind of, they, they're kind of doing the, the whole spinning thing, um, and it's kind of a, I don't know, what you, kind of a spazzy fight. They're both kind of throwing these wild shots and a lot of missing, but they do connect. Um, it's just, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a real kind of action fight though. And, uh, yeah. And like two, that's two big guys throwing and they're having some set, solid shots. And then of course the final fight of that season was February 11th. And then of course it's, it's the infamous fight with Aaron Downey, um, that I'm sure everyone has seen where they're squaring off and then Downey just throws that big before they even, Bull Rice goes for the grab and misses and Downey lands that right-handed shot and puts Bull Rice down and knocked him out and uh yeah it's one of the kind of the famous hockey knockouts of the time and uh um yeah and that sort of that ended his career right there or not in career but ended the season for him he might have played later on but in terms of fights that was his final fight of the year so um yeah that's kind of a tough way to end the year, but, uh, one of the more famous knockouts in, in hockey fight history. But, uh, 
But again, in 0304, he comes back and, uh, 70, he played a full 76 games, had 19 fights, um, again, uh, in the preseason. Um, he's busy, um, cause I'm sure probably at that point, I'm sure he's thinking I have to prove, kind of prove, you know, you, cause what is the old you right? You're only as good as your last fight. Well, of course, everyone's remembering the famous knockout from Downey with one punch. So you got to come back, uh, guns a blazing. And he did, I mean, right out at the hop in the preseason, he fights big Jeff Paul, busts him up. Um, it's quick and dirty fight. He kind of catches Paul. Um, then the next night, he has a two-fight night against Atlanta. Garnet Axelby and Francis Lassard. The Lassard fight's really good. Um, it starts off slow. They're doing a lot of in-tight wrestling and stuff. And you're, and you're kind of like really bull-raised Lassard. You kind of think they start swinging. It's a real odd start. And it goes for about 20 seconds of them kind of grappling and, you know, getting position. And then, then they open up and they both start throwing some really good shots as both of them do. And, uh, yeah, really solid bout. And then, uh, <laughs> Pardon me, going to the pre or going to the regular season, um, and kind of his first real great fight is uh, October twenty eighth uh, against San Jose and Scott Parker. It's always weird to me to see Scott Parker in a San Jose uniform, but uh, yeah, uh, some real solid shots in this fight. Um, you know, I'd, yeah, I'd probably give him the win, but either either way, back and forth, some real good ones. It's a gr- it's great fight. Um, he has another great fight with Stephen Pete. Um, Chris, another fight with Chris Neal. I'm sure Chris Neal's obviously looking for his revenge. Um, again, solid back and forth. Um, and then he fight, and this, right in a, he has a string of about five fights right in a row that are all like really solid. Like they're not boring. Like Doug Dowell, he fights him, kind of catches Dowell too. I'd probably give it a TKO win for Bull Race. Um, then he fights Chris Simon when Chris Simon's with the Rangers. Um, I will say Simon looked really, uh, really solid in this fight. And it's an interesting fight because Simon is sort of all over him at the start. And then Bullerice actually makes a real big comeback. It starts catching Simon with some good ones. It starts sort of taking the fight over. And then it's like the tail of... And then Simon comes back on him and has a real good, solid finish. And uh, just a real great fight with Chris Simon. And, uh, yeah. And... Uh, you know, other than that, uh, just he had a real strong 0304 season with Carolina, and um, yeah, and then of course, unfortunately, we have uh, the next season's the lockout year, um, and it surprised me that he didn't play anywhere. Um, you know, uh, yeah, so yeah, obviously the year off, and then the following year is 0506. Um, starts in Carolina, uh, finishes the year in St. Louis. Uh, other than that, I think he was really in and out of the lineup at that point. Um, you know, kind of had worn out his welcome in Carolina or they wanted to go in a different direction. Um, cause he only had the nine fights, but he had some really good ones. He had a really good, uh, uh, two fights with, uh, Brian, a young, a real young Brian McGratton. Um, uh, uh, the first, the first fights in, in Carolina. Um, and it, and it kind of goes, uh, they kind of keep each other at arm's length. Um, McGratton's got kind of a little longer, so he connects a little bit more. Um, but again, give or take back and forth. Um, he has, he has another strong fight with Bolton. Um, and then he has another, the rematch fight with McGratton. Again, it's going really well. And I'd actually, um, with McGratton's kind of really kind of taking it to him, to be honest. Um, McGratton's kind of got it going. And then, 
Bullrise, it, it's hard to tell with the camera angle, but he catches McGratton with a solid right, and McGratton kind of goes right down on the seat of his pants. Um, it was kind of getting towards the end of the fight, and I don't know if it was more of a, it's a exhaustion, but solid shot as well. But kind of looked to me, it's funny because on Drop Your Gloves, they always used to write KO, TKO, whatever. They don't have anything. They actually, they have a win for McGratton on here, but uh, and it was for the whole way until the end, and it's like, I don't know, Bull Race sort of catches him at the end. Now, in terms of overall punches, yeah, it was definitely McGratton win, but it'd be interesting. You guys check it out and get back to me. Think what you, uh, To me, it looked like a TKO, actually. But, uh, I mean, McGratton gets right up and whatever, but I don't know, kind of a flash little knockdown maybe. But nonetheless, it was a great fight. And um, after that, um, you know, we, we go into the the 06, 07, um, again, I didn't, I didn't really look it up, but he, he clearly he got hurt because he, he had the two fights in the American league and that was it. He didn't play after that. So he obviously missed the, um, uh, actually hold on. I'm, I'm going to actually look that up for a quick sec. Yeah. in 06, 07, he only played 16 games with Albany. So he clearly got hurt. Um, but the following year, 07, 08, um, he's back and actually in Philadelphia and, um, you know, he only plays the five games, but he has eight fights. But this is the year that he got the 25-game suspension with the cross-check on on Kessler. So it's really unfortunate that that happened because uh, I, it'd be interesting to see if he would have stuck around in Philly the whole year. Um, but regardless, um, in the pre again, he always had strong preseasons it seems because he had uh, he had five fights in the preseason and. Uh, uh, two of them in one game on September 17th against Cam Jansen. And, uh, he, he puts Jansen down on one of them. I will say with both of these fights, they're, uh, they're, again, they're in the preseason and, and there's a fan in the stands that records them. That's the only footage that I could find on YouTube. So it's kind of really shaky and stuff. But from watching that footage, Bull Race looks like he takes both of the fights. And, um, and then the following couple nights later, he fights Colt Nor, who's with the Rangers at the time. And, uh, yeah, or it, it's, um, you know, it's kind of a back and forth, but then, uh, or definitely catches him and puts him down. Again, whenever I say puts him down, it wasn't like, oh, the trainer has to come out and help him up or anything, <clears throat> but it's definitely a flash knockdown win for Colt Nor. Um, then he has a couple fights with Erskine, fights, uh, Eric Goddard, um, when Goddard's with Calgary. Uh, and then it's basically off to the American Hockey League for the rest of the year after the suspension. And uh, <clears throat> all those fights are on uh, on YouTube. And um, some great fights that, uh, again, I won't go completely, but like I said, he fought uh, Joel Recklish. Oh, an unbelievable fight with Kevin Westgarth. Uh, definitely look that fight up. Um, he fight Yablonski. Has a really good fight with uh, Morasti. Uh, he fights uh, old Paul Bissonette a couple times. Um, and then right at the end of February and in March, he's, he comes back and plays a little bit in the NHL. Um, has a really good fight with, um, with, with Andrew Peters. Um, and it's, it, it, they go down and get up and go down and get up, but it's a, for, it's weird. The, cause the refs are right there. They let them, they both fall down and then the refs just sort of stand there and they let them get back up and they keep fighting again. It's, it's, <laughs> I don't really, honestly, I don't know what the refs were doing. I, hey, I'm pumped they let them keep going, but it's kind of really odd. Nowadays, you just, it's funny to see them now, right? They can't get in there fast. They all, they're getting in there with one guy's throwing, they'll grab one guy. They get so excited now, but, so this was really weird to see them let the guys fall down and get back up, but, uh, it's like, what am I watching the LNH here? But, um, that was a really good fight. Um, the Colt Nor fight again, um, yeah, just kind of, you know, or just a real solid back and forth. Um, 
but yeah, other than that, that's kind of his last, that's his last, uh, full season in, in the, uh, in the NHL. And, uh, you know, other, other than that, um, he has a couple seasons there in, uh, in Lake Erie and then, uh, with, uh, Wilkes-Barre. And, uh, but even that he fights Brett Gallant, Trevor Gillies, Fritz, Morasti again, um, Grant McNeil. He has some great fights with Grant McNeil over the years. Um, yeah, and again, all of his American League stuff is out there if you want to look it up. Um, just, he's just a real, it was, it was a real fun, um, like I said, uh, rabbit hole to go down. Um, again, a, a lot of these fights for, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, I just hadn't really seen them. Um, I, like, well, and especially his American League stuff, like I never saw the fights with, uh, with, uh, I saw the Morasti ones, but I never saw the Westgarth one or the Wrecker one or some of these Grant McNeil ones. And it's like, these are awesome fights. Uh, and even in the NHL, like I, I don't think I've, I watched the McGratton ones before. There was a bunch of fights. I'd seen some of them, obviously the Downey one and all that, but like the Lassard preseason stuff I never saw or the, uh, the Parker San Jose stuff I saw, but I, you know, Pete, the Simon fight I never saw. Oh, we had another really good fight with Skurlak, Rob Skurlak, in his brief time up in the NHL with New Jersey. Um, they had a they had a pretty solid little back and forth. Um, yeah, so I like I, I encourage uh, all you guys listening. Definitely uh, one night if you're on YouTube and you want to look up some fights and you're bored. Yeah, Jesse Bullerice, check it out, man. He uh, and well, and I will say, you know what? His last fight in the NHL wearing an NHL jersey was a preseason fight. He's playing with the Pittsburgh Penguins and they're playing the Detroit Red Wings. And it's against Aaron Downey, and guess what happens? Bowler Ice gets his revenge, and he actually drops Downey. Um, they're actually, it's on, it, again, it's fan footage, and the quality isn't that great, but you can definitely see Bowler Ice catch him and Downey go down. So I'm sure in it, for his final NHL fight, that was probably some sweet revenge for Jesse, uh, because that's actually his last year, uh, 2010, 2011, and he retires. So, um, and I think he's, uh, actually, he's doing really well. He's, uh, I want to say he's a financial advisor or something. Um, he's got an office job. We'll put it, he's got a suit and tie office job. I know that. I, I believe it's for inv- investing. But, um, yeah, I mean, hey, solid career. Uh, some great fights. Um, yeah, and like I said, it, it was just a, it was a real fun, uh, uh, journey to look at or journey to look up. So, uh, there we go. Today's player spotlight, Jesse Bullerice. And, uh, again, I encourage you guys to, uh, definitely go down that rabbit hole because it was a lot of fun. But, uh, anyway, guys, that'll wrap up the Sunday episode. Come Sunday night instead of, uh, Sunday morning. I apologize for being late, but, uh, um, yes, I got it out for you anyway. I guess most of the time I think people listen to these episodes Monday on their commutes to work anyway. So, um, but I want to thank you guys for tuning in and, uh, yeah, um, it is uh, ten fifteen. So we got to go to work tomorrow, right, folks? So let's attack the work week, and I'll uh, I'll be back to talk to you guys on Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 